Your Locked On Golden Knights, your daily podcast on the Vegas Golden Knights, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Golden Knights. I'm Jack Manning. I'm AJ Alexander. And the Vegas Golden Knights beat the Minnesota Wild last night 5-1 to one in what, at least to me, seemed like one of the least entertaining 5-1 victories I can remember. AJ, what did you think of the trouncing of the Minnesota Wild? I mean, it's always nice to get a win, but I do concur with the fact that it was just a boring game. And honestly... That's wild hockey, it seems. It's the Minnesota mild because it, it's just every game we've played against them, even if it's a, even the comeback the other night, thrilling end, of course, but yeah. even the comeback the other night, while it, the actual comeback was thrilling, the ride to get there was boring. Mark Stone obviously had an incredible five point performance the other night. And, you know, last night, you know, has a, a mediocre performance, just a goal and an assist. But, um, <laughs> you're you're absolutely right it, it neither game ever really felt like gripping hockey the golden knights played well i think through through both games you know more often than not and, and there were some really impressive moments definitely cody glass's pass to alex tuck for that first goal was a flash of something that we we've been looking to see from cody at five on five but overall the pace of play for that game or the pace of action anyway just sort of felt lackluster what do you think of Kirill Kaprizov? I, I really enjoy the way that he plays. I think he plays a really exciting brand of hockey. Obviously, is is going to be competing for that Rookie of the Year trophy. W- what are your thoughts on Kirill so far? Well, I'll say this. Every time his name is mentioned on the broadcast, my wife always hears it as Capri Sun instead of Capri Sov. And she <laughs> always mentions it, so I cannot unhear it now. So everyone at home can take that with them. Honestly, I haven't seen a whole lot of his game, but he's definitely one of the more exciting young players we have in the league. Yeah, I, I that that's sort of what I was hoping for out of Nikita Gusev when he Ooh. came into the league. Obviously, I I was really high on on Nikita Gusev while he was in the in the KHL. Put up some of the most amazing highlights I've seen in hockey. Uh, to be fair, it seemed you were on the way to validation based on last year's numbers. His first year in the league, he did pretty well, right? Yeah, it's especially in the back half of that first season. Uh, but here in in the 2021 season, man, he has really struggled and was a healthy scratch tonight against the New York Rangers. Now, the, the New Jersey Devils only scored one point. Uh, so, you know, maybe they could have used a little bit more of his, his scoring touch. But it, really interesting to see that Nikita Gusev has fallen so far out of favor in, in New Jersey that he's not even dressing for the game. And the thing is, like I mentioned, looking at last year's numbers and seeing where he struggled in the beginning of the year, I think he was just misused in a lot of instances. Right. They seem to remedy that, like you alluded to, in the back half of the year. And you just kind of expect it. I know I did. Okay, he's going to build on that and improve on it. Didn't see that. And the thing is, you can say, well, it's the New Jersey Devils. Well, they were the same Devils last year, too. I mean, they weren't a very good team last season. So what's the difference? It's really intriguing to me. I'd like to get to the bottom of that somehow. Yeah, and, and it'll be really interesting to see if, A, if Nikita Gusev 
plays in the NHL next year, I would think that someone else would give him a shot with all that skill that he has. And, you know, maybe if he's on the third line of a very good team, instead of the third line of the New Jersey devils, he'll have line mates that can help him to generate points a little bit better. Uh, but as it stands right now, you have to feel pretty good about what the Golden Knights were able to get for Nikita Gusev when they traded into New Jersey a, a little over a, a year and a half ago. It, so they, they picked up the third round pick from the New Jersey Devils in the 2020 draft, and that turned out to be Lucas Cormier, who is having one heck of a season yeah. in the QMJHL. He, he's the leading scoring defenseman in, the entire, in that entire league. And for a while, he was leading the entire league in scoring. The other pick that came over in that trade was this year's 2021 second round pick. And with the New Jersey Devils sitting uh, in the bottom five in the league right now, that pick could be as high as you know, 36, 37, maybe even 32, uh, which would be really interesting to see. While this isn't a stacked draft by any stretch of the imagination, because there's a, a pretty big gap in the amount of scouting that is normally done of draft eligible players and the amount of scouting that's been done this year, there's a possibility the Golden Knights could get a really, really good player at the top of the second round. There doesn't seem to be a consensus top of the draft. You have a handful of players that might go number one overall, but there isn't really a consensus player like there usually is. So there could be some players that just fall like a stone. We just analyzed the trade a little bit. Let's think about, so since we're talking about players we either traded or maybe even missed out on, we talk about Tatar and Suzuki. We hear about it ad nauseum. What about guys like that we've traded, Eric Brandstrom, or a player that we may have missed out on in Joe Valeno? Yeah, so for, for folks that don't know, Joe Valeno was the player that was taken with the Golden Knights first round pick in 2018 uh, after the Golden Knights traded that first, second, and third round pick to the, uh, to the Detroit Red Wings in exchange for Thomas Tatar. And then we would eventually trade Thomas Tatar along with Nick Suzuki to the Montreal Canadiens in exchange for Max Pacioretty. So first things first, as much as I would love to have Nick Suzuki in the system, and as much as I would, I think that Thomas Tatar was a good player that wasn't used effectively or in the right ways by uh, Gerard Gallant when he was here, I, I can't get around the fact, and, and this goes against every fiber of what I think about hockey, I can't get around the fact that Max Pacioretty is an integral part to this team and is one of, if not the leading goal scorer uh, this year and last year, certainly a guy that I am glad is on the team now. Now, that being said, Nick Suzuki is great. It is going to continue to be great, and I can't think of a better player in the league to center Alex Tuck but that's a different story. And you're right. That's probably if you, it, when it all shakes out the, the Montreal Canadians win that trade, right. but you're right. When it comes to Eric Brandstrom, man, this is a guy that has two goals and two assists through 10 games, which is a pretty respectable stat line for a, a, a rookie defenseman. But I'm not confident that if Eric Brandstrom is here in Vegas right now, that he's making this team, uh, when everyone's healthy, at least. I think that both Zach Whitecloud and uh, and Nick Haig are, at least at this point in their careers, better players than, than Eric Brandstrom. 
maybe things would be going a little bit better for Eric Brandstrom if he had a little bit more talent to work with. You know, he's currently playing for one of the worst teams in the entire NHL. So, you know, that can't be an easy thing to get around. But all things considered, you have to look at that trade and think, man, the Golden Knights absolutely crushed that deal. Yeah, it's almost as if the trades are reversed because I I still would have pulled the trigger for Mark Stone all day long if we had to give up Suzuki and Tatar and picks. <laughs> yeah, It almost is like that should have been the deal to Ottawa, <laughs> if you will, in a different universe. They just, they didn't ask for enough. They didn't get enough. Canadians, again, probably win that trade. Joe Valeno, though, is curious because you'd think a Detroit team that's looking historically awful for the second consecutive season now think he'd have a easier path to make the team and make an impact and didn't he have exceptional status in juniors yeah so joe valeno is yet another player that was given exceptional status meaning he was able to play in canadian major junior hockey a year earlier than he would otherwise be eligible uh but the last few players, or at least some of the last few players that have been granted that exceptional status have really struggled once they, they've gotten to, to the professional leagues, notably uh, Joe Valeno in this instance, and then Sean Day, uh, who was given exceptional status and ultimately fell to the third round uh, and never really developed himself an NHL career. And so <laughs> it's a bit of a scarlet letter there, isn't it? Yeah, you know, it, it, it kind of is. I think that there is some benefit to playing it at the level that's designed for your age, but that's probably a discussion for another day. When you look at the value that the Golden Knights have pulled out of trading their young prospects, uh, you really have to be overall pleased with the value they've gotten back. Certainly Mark Stone as the, the captain of this team, their best player, but hands down their, their best player. You have to be pleased that all they had to give up is Eric Branstrom and a second round pick. Now, the, the question is, what are the Golden Knights going to do with some of the talent they have in the system now? And with the lack of jobs available to them, at least as the, the, the roster is currently constructed. So we'll be back in just a second to talk a little bit more about what the Golden Knights plan to do in response to the Seattle Kraken expansion draft and how they might be in a position to trade some of their young talent. But first, I want to talk to you for just a second about betonline.ag uh, because betonline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football's over, but the NHL is in full swing. Bet Online even covers awards, TV shows, reality TV, anything you want to drop a bet on. BetOnline.ag is your place. So real-time updated odds and props are up there for almost anything you can imagine. And BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best place for your bets, and it's free to sign up. So head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your very first deposit. So just use the promo code locked on and go to betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. And when you're done listening to this show, go ahead and go check out Locked On Bets. Uh, betting on the Golden Knights doesn't have to be a guessing game if you listen to the new Locked On Bets podcast, which is hosted by your boy Q and Handicap and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favored picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. Subscribe on the Locked On Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag wherever you get podcasts. George McPhee has said in a couple of places, including on the Bob McCowan podcast, that uh, he's going to try to make an effort to trade some of the young 
players in the Golden Knight system who would not otherwise be eligible to be selected in the expansion draft to teams that have protection problems to try and acquire players that otherwise would be eligible for selection. And so for those that don't know, the a player is exempt from the expansion draft if they've played two or fewer complete seasons. And so that means any player that is in their third season is not eligible to be selected. So that's basically anybody who's on their entry level contract. Uh, and so that means that there are some young players in the Golden Knights system that I think people are really attached to that may be involved in trade discussions. Most notably, players that are on the roster right now, Cody Glass and Zach Whitecloud, are both draft exempt. I don't know if those players are considered untouchable to the Vegas Golden Knights, but it would be interesting to see what kind of packages might be out there for a player like that uh, for teams that have expansion expansion woes you know for example if there's a, a true bona fide first line center available for cody glass don't the golden knights have to look at that or you know vice versa if there's a true bona fide top defenseman can the can the golden knights consider trading a guy like like zach Whitecloud, even with as good as he's been playing I know how big of a fan you are of, of Zach Whitecloud. What would it take for you to feel okay about the Golden Knights giving him up? Well, here's the thing. I think his salary sort of forbids that based on the fact that the Golden Knights are right up against the cap. How, how do you justify trading a top four guy making minimum money? I know he's got a year left and that's it. But at the same time, you'd have to have a hell of a return. And I think you probably have to trade someone along with him in order for that to happen. Yeah, I, th I think that's probably right, actually. And that's a great point that the Golden Knights... See how I got out of that question? <laughs> <laughs> Deft. Yeah, I mean, the Golden Knights really are going to have to work hard to, to navigate the salary cap if, if they're going to make something like this work. Because the, the cap really is what makes this a lot different than I think both you and I expected because it seemed we're going to have teams over a barrel. They have to get rid of these players and they don't want to get rid of them for for nothing so why not provide a little return for them you can't do that anymore the decisions made by by the golden knights and i'm not saying they were necessarily wrong decisions it's certainly valuable to have uh, alex petrangelo and and at the time it probably made some sense to to look at uh secondary options for mark andre Fleury. but yeah there, there's not going to be a whole lot of cap available to the golden knights you know, other than the expiring contract of Alec Martinez. And like we talked about in the last episode, he's been so good. I don't know that you really want to give him up, uh, especially if he's willing to take a few bucks less. And the funny thing is a guy like Jonathan Marcheseau, for instance, who in the beginning of the season, before the season started that time, had some trade rumors in the off season. And now he's actually scoring at 41 point pace for this season. Wow, uh, I think that's 20 goal pace is where he's at more or less right now. So, I mean, he's been one of their best players so far. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know who you would move in this lineup that you wouldn't either be having a, a knee jerk reaction about, or that you wouldn't end up, you know, wondering if maybe you were giving up a little bit too much potential. Like for example, it, I think the, the easy the easy person to point to right now that is underperforming on the Golden Knights is Riley Smith. I mean, he, he's been sure. he's been fine defensively, but the the points just have not come for him this year. And so, 
it'd be easy to point at that and say, well, I will move Riley Smith. You know, he, he makes 5 million bucks. Well, if you move Riley Smith, you're moving him at his all time lowest value and he's he's on a good contract. And so moving him now would, would be absolutely reactionary. And I can't think of any player on the Golden Knights roster that is making a very big salary that you know, you, you'd really feel good about getting rid of, except for potentially somebody on the fourth line. But that's that's a, that's probably not going to happen for a number of reasons. So I, I, I'm curious as to where the Golden Knights would make room for any new players. Um either at the deadline or closer to the expansion draft. You mentioned Cody Glass and how, you know, he may not be performing as well as people expected. He had a particularly strong game, I felt, uh, last night. Absolutely. The to tuck was a thing of beauty. And again, we keep seeing flashes of that. If I told you in the beginning of the year that he was on a, about a 30-point pace, that's the rough math in my head, would you have been happy with that? Listen, it, Cody Glass scoring at a half a point per game in his second year is is fine with me. Uh, sure. I think he had a I think he had a pretty cold stretch there over the over the last few games leading up to the assist for for Alex Tuck um, and, and the goal that he he had in the uh, the previous game on the power play. If you ignore if you ignore that cold stretch, you, he looks great. Um, I don't know that it's fair to ignore that cold stretch, and I think sure. that there's some value. To, to being patient with Cody glass. Obviously he's played a very minimal amount of hockey over the last year and a half. We you've heard me sing this song before. And as he plays more this season, he looks better and better. And so for a guy that's still under 82 games in his, in his career, because I still think that there's probably a really good second line center in, in Cody glass. Who's who is among the best players on the team on the power play. And if that's what you get for a six overall pick, historically, that's really, really good value. Um, you know, you you look at other players that have been taken fifth or sixth overall, you know, in the last five or six years. You know, you look at Jake Vertanen. Jake Vertanen's been struggling uh, for a while. Michael Dow Cole for the Islanders. He's been he he's probably not an NHL player. Obviously, there are some really good players that have been taken at sixth overall, like Brady or excuse me, um, the other one, Matthew Tuchuk. Uh, was taken sixth overall and he played in the, the NHL and could have been rookie of the year that year if it weren't for someone like Austin Matthews being uh, at the top of that draft. And so, you know, I, I'm I, the more time goes on, the more I think that Cody Glass is performing exactly as well as he should for a sixth overall pick when you take history and context into context. Fair enough, I guess, if you're just going to use a level-headed response like that. We're going to be back to talk about some of the Golden Knights point races in just a second here. But first, I want to talk to you for just half a second about Locked On NHL. Because every every Friday on Locked On NHL, you can join Joe DeBase of Locked On Sabres and Tom Gazzola of Locked On Oilers as they round up the biggest stories of the week in the NHL. And you get prepared for the league's busy weekend slate of games. From breaking down the latest blockbuster trade to sizing up the rivalry matchups on Saturday night, Joe and Tom have every angle of the league covered to close your week subscribe to locked on nhl wherever you get your podcasts okay so we did mention uh some point paces earlier and i think it's fun to sprinkle those in throughout this season even though things could end up vastly different and they usually do it's fun to peek in at them once in a while 
Mark Stone at the top of the list. How could he not be? He's on pace for 70 points, which would be a career high in a abridged season. Last career high was last year and previously in 2014-15 with Ottawa, 64 points. I mean, you, you got to be impressed with a guy that only seems to be getting better with age. Um, you know, he, obviously he's not over the hill by any stretch, but well, according to uh, the owner of the Ottawa senators, he was too old to give a contract extension to, <laughs> I mean, that's what he said. <laughs> you could fill a book with the number of things that Eugene Melnick has said that have proven to be absolutely asinine. So who's next on the list? Max Pacioretty is on pace for 50 points, which would be, which would also be a pace for 29 goals. And that's important to note because last year he had 32, the year before he had 22. So, I mean, again, in an abridged season, at least the pace he's on now, I have to qualify that again, not guaranteeing he's going to score 29 or 30 goals, but Max Pacioretty, Jonathan Marcheseau, so both in trade rumors, how seriously they took that. Who knows? It's hard to, it's impossible to say, in fact. But there are two of the players that are having two of the best seasons so far on the team this year. So let me ask you this. Is there a, is there a trade deal out there this summer that you would consider moving Max Pacioretty, given his age, given his salary, and given that he has limited time left on his contract? So he makes $7 million a year, and he's 32 now. I mean, I don't see a guy like him just falling off the cliff, uh, especially if you just change his role up a little bit. I think you could possibly talk him down from the 7 million mark. So I don't know. I, I really like Max Pacioretty. Like you said earlier, he's one of my favorite players on the team. I have nothing to complain about as far as he's concerned. It's tempting, but it, it's hard to say. It's almost like I am getting a little sentimental when you shouldn't, but I think Marcia so is probably more, more attractive as far as if I'm looking at the team and looking at the top of the salary, I'd probably go with Marcia. So personally, but he is a couple of years younger and he is cheaper. What do you think? I, I think that this is a team that's at pretty darn well constructed and that maybe the, the solution is just to work around the edges, unless you've got a deal that you just absolutely can't say no to. Right. And so if there's a deal out there for Jonathan Marcheseau and a prospect for two really good players uh, on another team that would work within the salary cap, man, I'd consider that. If you could trade, if you could trade a prospect and Jonathan Marcheseau for two really good players that are making, you know, somewhere in the range of five million combined, yeah, okay, sign me up for that. Especially if you can, if you can add. Um, you know, a couple of wingers so that you've got three stacked lines. You know, they are defined, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think there's, there are uh, deals in theory that would work, but at the same time, the golden Knights do have some really good players coming up in the system. I mean, you've got Peyton Krebs who I would expect is going to be an NHL player next year. If not at the very beginning of the season, then he's going to be an NHL player by, by, by the end. And you've also got guys like Ivan Morozov who through two games in the KHL playoffs has uh, two goals and an assist um, and is looking like he could very easily step in as a third line center, especially if Cody glasses is moving up that depth chart. And so you've got a lot of good players 
on their way into the system, uh, on their way ready to contribute at the NHL level, uh, I don't know that you need to add necessarily a, a number of players. I think that what you need to be focused on, if you're if you're George McPhee or Kelly McCrimmon, is adding higher end players further down the lot, lineup. And so, you know, maybe if there's an opportunity to get a huge upgrade on. Uh, on Jonathan Marshall. So because you're willing to uh, give up a prospect in return, you know, maybe that's, maybe that's something that you do, but as it stands right now, I'm really happy with the construction of this team. Especially since a lot of the quote unquote complaints we're making, just pointing out underperforming parts of the team are on that bottom six. They are, as you said, the edges. Yeah. And, and so, you know, again, there as much as I would like to see Riley Smith producing at the same rate that he was last year, that production will come back. He has not changed as a player. He doesn't look like he's lost a step. He just looks like he's got no confidence at the moment. And, you know, f- fair enough. You've, you've had a tough stretch, but that will come back. If you recall last year, Jonathan Marchessault was cold for something like 23 games in a row. I, I don't know if that's the actual number, but it was, it was double digits that he went without a, a goal. And, you know, there were calls then to, to get rid of the bum. And if we had done that, then we'd be missing one of the, the top scores on the Golden Knights this year. So I'm, I'm pretty hesitant to make any big sweeping changes with a team that's performing this well and having this good of a, a season, uh, even in light of everything that's going on in the world. So I can't go over numbers and projected, projected point totals without bringing up Chandler Stevenson. He just passed his entire Washington point total, which he amassed in five seasons with Washington. He did that in 60 games with Vegas Golden Knights. He's on pace for 35 points, which would be a new career high. He set the last one last year with 22 and 17 goals. He only had eight last year, which was also a career high. So let's talk about him, give him some praise, but I also wonder how much is Mark Stone and Pacioretty blowing up his stat line a little bit? How much is this entirely on Chandler working hard and getting the ice time he needed? Sort of a William Carlson situation. How much of it is a situation of both? What do you feel? Talk to us about Chandler Stevenson. So I think Chandler Stevenson is probably the third best center on the Vegas Golden Knights. I think that Cody Glass is better than Chandler Stevenson right now. That being said, I think that there's a lot of value to Chandler Stevenson having his best skill sets. It's accentuated by guys like Max Pacioretty and especially Mark Stone. The number of breakaways that he has been able to to go on because because his speed is accentuated by the great passing of Mark Stone and at times Max Pacioretty, you, you see him get breakaways more often than he ever did in Washington. And even though he's burying a pretty low percentage of those breakaways, he's still burying quite a few. So I'm not saying that it's all Mark Stone. I think that if you were playing Chandler Stevenson on a line with, uh, for example, Alex Tuck and Cody Glass, I think there'd be uh, a, a similar type of production, certainly not to the same degree, but a similar type. And so you certainly have to give credit to Mark Stone and, and to his line mates. But at the same time, I think that Chandler Stevenson has really showed that he was deserving of being a third round pick back when George McPhee originally selected him when he was the GM for the Washington Capitol. I think there's a lot of value to a guy that 
has that kind of straight line speed. And so would he be producing the same amount if he were still in Washington? No, I don't think so, because he'd still be playing on the fourth line. And, you know, if he was playing on the fourth line with William Carrier and Ryan Reeves, I don't think he would have anywhere close to this level of production. And so, you know, give give credit to the Golden Knights for seeing a player that was being underutilized, but at the same time, give credit to Chandler Stevenson for grabbing onto that opportunity and, and not letting go when he found himself strapped to a rocket. Some people were complaining that the fifth rounder was a little bit much to give up for a guy who was getting waived, but you have to remember there are teams ahead of Vegas on the waiver list. He was going to get picked up and hey. Vegas just wanted to ensure that he ended up in Vegas. You know, George McPhee saw a player that he had believed in when he first drafted him, that he continued to believe in when he was the GM of Washington. And when he saw an opportunity to grab that player again before he was you know, truly successful in the NHL, you know, he, he went out and grabbed him. So all the credit in the world to George McPhee for that. AJ, we are just about out of time here. 